be advised that the content of this podcast is for mature audiences due to subject matter. You are listening to Romantic Truth with Josen, your host in Las Vegas. Who the hell that is knocking on my damn door like this? This dude that's tripping, man, on a damn little Toyota, a little black Toyota. Who the hell that is? That's my damn baby. Then I told him to call first before he come. Look, he, he like he damn mad. Go on, let him in. I bet he won't hey, talk that shit now. Put his hands on me. Who? He, he might. I ain't got nothing to do with you this. You him. He ain't about to do that. I ain't got nothing to do with this. Only supposed to be over him. Let him move. Let him in. I'm letting him in. Let him be quiet. No. We ain't been letting him in. What you mean we ain't about to let him in? Maybe we be quiet. He'll leave. He's scary. He ain't about to damn do that. That nigga not scary. Ain't no damn way. He not a few niggas out. They were bad then, though. He ain't been in no fight recently. Look, I ain't got no pistol. Give me a screwdriver or something. You don't need no whip, I'm telling you. Cut my damn lights back on. Nah, uh uh. Open the door. This dude sound aggressive. He sound aggressive. And then that's why you need to go on the fight. No, I ain't got time for this. Cut my damn lights back on. No, I'm not gonna fight. I'm not gonna fight today. I ain't got my good shoes on. I ain't gonna fight this dude. Really? And you told me you love me, you care about me and stuff. Hi everyone, Johnson with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. Harriet writes from Spokane, Washington, the following. I'm 48 years old. It's been a long time since I've been on the dating scene. And right now I have cobwebs, LOL. I haven't been with a man in over seven years. I wouldn't know what to do with a man if I had the opportunity. However, I decided to go on Tinder. I let my daughter talk me into it. And this guy mentioned something about coffee sex in the middle of our conversation. I don't know what coffee sex is. Could you please elaborate? It's something that's new to me. After all, I'm just a mother of three, and I don't know that much about what's going on out there in the world. Harriet, Seattle, Washington. Well, Harriet, here's what's going on. They call it coffee sex now. It used to be called parlor sex because you'd go to an ice cream parlor or somewhere like that way back in the day in order to meet with the woman that you had written all these romantic and sultry letters to and then you guys would meet for the first time and then you would go and have sex. Well, what has happened now? And yes, they used to do it well back in colonial times during the Civil War, during different times in our history and even prior in Europe. Here's the thing. With this, what it comes down to, the guy, when he first starts chatting with you online or starts talking to you, back in the day it was through letters, then it was on the phone, and now it's over the internet. The guy brings the conversation to some sort of uh, sexual innuendo. He will do that initially to see if you bite. And if you bit, if you bite for it, then he will go on with it. Now, here's the thing. Men usually call you around 8 o'clock or somewhere at least after 7 for sure. They want you comfortable in your bed. You know, like when you tell the guy, he calls you at 6.30, hey, how was your day? Hey, look, uh, I got to do a few things. I got to cook dinner and so forth. Let me call you back when I'm comfortable. This is music to a guy's ear. When he hears this, he knows you're going to be comfortable. You probably have already taken a shower. You've probably already got everything done. You've eaten. 
and now you're ready to focus on him. You'll probably be in bed. And this is the ideal environment where he would want you. And this is when some of the guys start going in with the innuendo. Now, some women will want to not talk about sex in the beginning. It will be, no, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about other things. We're going to talk about butterflies and daffodils. However, others, women who are pretty smart about the thing, situation, what they will do is say, well, you know, um, and then she'll bring up something that may kind of make him blush. She may say something like, are you circumcised or how long are you? Do you have a curve? Provocative questions. Now, most women know if they ask a provocative question, the guy is going to advance the conversation on the phone, online, or externally, whether he's writing a letter or whatever. Because when you're not together, what happens? Your emotions abound. Oh boy, you're the bravest person on the planet. Now, here's the interesting thing. Usually, if a woman initiates a very sexual conversation over the phone or over the internet and you guys haven't met yet, nine times out of ten, she's going to carry on the conversation after you meet in public. Now, some won't because they're shy, but most will. Just like it's a regular conversation, they will go on with it. It will be usually the guy who's shy and the things that he might have said online or on the phone when he meets you in person, oh, he's clammed up. And some women do this deliberately in order to take control of the conversation and to lead the relationship. And that's a good thing. And a lot of women miss out on that opportunity. Instead, what happens, they take their hand off the, off the wheel. Now, most women will kind of control the conversation in the beginning where they will say, you know, well, you know, let's not talk about sex or intimacy. We got to grow to that point. But right now, let's just talk and get to learn each other, get to know about each other. Now, a guy is going to comport himself based on what you've established for him because he doesn't want to blow it. But here's the thing. If the conversation does go to sex at some point or intimacy. Understand a couple of things here. If you lead the conversation in that direction, he's going to follow and he's going to hit the brakes every time you hit the brakes. Because again, he doesn't want to blow it. Now, another thing too that you have to consider. When you guys meet, you know that conversation you had with him over the phone at about 10 o'clock that night and you stayed on the phone with him till 12 and you talked about all kinds of things? Ask him some questions about that night. That right there is going to make him blush. Like, for instance, what do guys usually ask? Like, when I would always talk to my female friends, when they would call me up late at night, I'd say, okay, what you wearing? What do you mean what I'm wearing? No, what are you wearing? Oh, I'm just wearing a t-shirt and panties. Hmm, what kind of panties? Why do you need to know what kind of panties I'm wearing? 
because I got an imagination and I would like to know what you're wearing. And then she would coyly tell me, and I'll be okay. I couldn't do nothing to her. She's there, I'm, I'm in my place. But the whole thing was, once she revealed something like that to me, that let me know that, hey, you know what? She's comfortable with her sexuality. She's comfortable with who she is. Especially when they get described. There was one lady I asked, and damn, she described, damn near, made in China. She was going down the whole list. But it all depends. Now, another thing, too, to observe as well. When you meet this guy, he's going to try to be on his best behavior. Now, you already have the control in the relationship in the sense that you've already got that sexual thing that most women are afraid of. You got that shit in your back pocket. You're not worried about that. Now you're trying to find out about him. And see, that's the thing. See, most women get stuck on sex with a guy because she doesn't want to talk about it. He wants to talk about it, but she's thinking that, hey, you know, if I start talking about this, that's all he'll want me for. No, no, no. Not even. See, here's the thing you have to remember. When you have that control and you're leading, just like the pace horse, if you watch any kind of horse races, Kentucky Derby, whatever, the Preakness, Breeders' Cup, Belmont Stakes, what you will notice, that will be the pace horse. The pace horse is the first horse out of the gate that's going to actually set the pace for the race. All the horses pace themselves behind the pace horse. Now, if the pace horse can run a mile and a half and is a closer, which means that near the end of the race, the horse speeds up, pretty much there's only going to be a handful of horses there, maybe not even three or four, that could actually keep pace with that horse all the way until the end. And this is what you're doing. You're setting the pace so that in this way, he's got to keep up with you. He's not leading you. You're leading him. Because we're going to follow your lead as men. That's what we do. Now, and this is not about no alpha male, uh, alpha female bullshit. Throw that out the window. Most of the people try to use the, the wolves as that kind of uh, analogy, and it doesn't work because there are no alpha and no alpha male or female wolves. It's just two wolves get together and they'll join a pack or have their own pack and they go out. Now, here's the thing to keep in mind. By doing this, you then can slow the conversation down to talk about the things that the two of you would like talking about. And you have at any moment after you've been on a date with him and you like him, you can always fire up that pot of interest in him by saying, you know what? He'd probably be a good boyfriend, but I still have to see. Or something to that effect. In other words, if you like him, you're giving him hope. And then you might want to say something like, before you leave, you're going to talk to me like you talked to me the other night on the phone. What you're trying to do is to keep him blushing. 
Because see, as long as you do that, you're letting him know that you're interested. And by the same token, he's realizing that there's more to you than just sex. A lot of women don't want to talk about it. They don't even want to discuss it. They don't even bring it up even as a joke. And what happens when a woman tells a man something to the effect of, well, you know, it'd be a long time before we have sex. Guess what you've done? You've given him the incentive to try to only have sex with you and then leave you, especially if you have an attitude with it. But see, if you approach sex as a non-threatening thing as a woman and put it in your back pocket like I described, it'll make it much easier in the conversation. In fact, many men will probably be embarrassed that you're talking about that and probably say, well, we can talk about that later because he does not want to blow it. Now, another thing about this, when it comes down to these types of situations where you're meeting at a coffee date or ice cream parlor, pizza parlor, you name the place, you're filling them out, you're trying to make sure everything measures up to what he had told you, and let's say things do measure up, then you can choose the approach for the second date. Well, you might want him to put his arms around you on the second date, but not on the first date. First date, you may be sitting at a coffee table, he's on one side, you're on the other, and you guys are interacting. And you occasionally touch him, but you're not touching him a lot. On the second date, you want a little bit more affection, emotion, now that you kind of feel more comfortable with him. So, if you got a dog, pet, children, well, I wouldn't recommend you show him the children, but... Pets might be okay. I say, hey, you know, this is my schnauzer. Or something like, this is me at work. Something where you can get into his space to let him know it's okay for him to put his arms around you or to touch you. Because, see, at this point, the tension is broken. And you got past the awkward thing. And even if you guys mess up and act crazy, guess what? It's okay because you're comfortable with each other. So you don't have to dot the I's and cross the T's as much. Now, the other thing to keep in mind, who uses this technique a lot when it comes to women? Believe it or not, women who are married are committed to someone else. And sadly, the reason why a lot of them do this is because of the fact that, one, that man wants them to do it, especially if he thinks he has what is called a hot wife. A hot wife is a woman that other men would love to sleep with. And he loves showing her off. She dresses very provocatively when it's appropriate. And she goes out on excursions and dates with men and women sometimes if she's bisexual or chooses to be with a woman and she tells him about the escapades or she may fill him in in real time on the date honey he has wonderful lips he has great hair and the whole thing he's doing he's actually living vicariously through her experience with this dude 
because even though she may love her husband, etc., etc., or boyfriend, she has more enthusiasm for the new guy. And that's what a lot of times he's missing. Now, another thing I will tell you, a lot of these men who do this have low self-esteem. Their self-esteem is actually in the choice they made in a woman that's really hot. That's like a life achievement for them. And don't be surprised if this guy's the one that got dissed in high school and junior high. And now that he has a fine woman, he doesn't know how to, you know, keep it to himself. You know, it's just like people who go and win the lottery. They got to tell everybody. They got to be noticed for something. This is what you're dealing with here. Now, the interesting thing is they did one study and they said 40% of women prefer dealing with what is called coffee sex or parlor sex. They call it coffee sex. Now, they used to call it parlor sex years ago. Where the person would communicate first externally, then meet, and then pick up on the conversation that they started, and then after meeting, they go through with whatever sexual agreement they have, arrangement they have. Now, here's the difference. More conventional thinking women they may engage in the conversation over the phone or on the internet, all the sensuality, she may tease him and that kind of thing while they're on the date about some of the things he revealed. However, what she's going to also do is not to make sure that she doesn't have sex with him on the first date. And that may happen later on. But what she's doing is she's breaking the ice to get that particular thing out of the way so that she can get to the substance of the relationship, the potential substance of it. Now, a few more other things with these types of women. And I'm talking specifically about women who are in relationships with voyeuristic husbands, those kind of people. I dated a lady who was once married to a guy that was like this. They were swingers. And she gave me the whole deal about that lifestyle from top to bottom because they had several swinging groups at one time. And the interesting thing that she said was, you were the first guy, talk about me, in a very long time who didn't start out talking about sex. And she said, that was a trigger for me because her husband introduced her to the lifestyle. And therefore, that was like, you know, once she heard those few phrases or words, it was on a cracking. And then she got into a sex fest with them talking about sex. And she was talking about, in particular, how after she looked at things, she was so empty, even though she was out with all these wonderful, beautiful new people. And she said, there was no fulfillment. But see, what the husband wanted to do was to use that as a stopgap for the failure in their marriage. And some people will do things like this, adopt a lifestyle in order to try to heal wounds in their marriage. A relationship is not therapy. 
It's just a relationship. Now, and I think the study was from University of Texas, where they were talking about 40% of women would fall for this type of approach. But here's the thing, if you're the woman and initiate this first, whether you're single, you will have the upper hand when it comes down to the sex question that everybody fears. Now, the other thing too, fellas, I tell you all the time, if you meet a woman and she approaches you like this online where she's very free to talk about sex, she's sending you nude photos, all of these things, and she's telling you she's attached or with a man, married, First of all, I'd recommend you don't deal with them. But if you deal with her, understand one thing. Don't get serious. Not in the least with her. The minute you get serious about this woman, I'm telling you, the first thing she's going to do is push you away. And she's going to tell you, but I'm married. I got a boyfriend. I'm happy. I have a wonderful relationship. We're doing so well together. But now, as the young lady told me that I dated that time, she said, you know, I used to say all these things about how wonderful my marriage was and all of this stuff to these guys. And she said, I was lying through my teeth. He gave me an opportunity to get away from him and I took it. And see, what you have to remember is, this is almost like, you know how guys go to a strip club, get aroused by the woman, then they come home to their wives? It's like that in a sense, except for one thing. The women who are married or in a relationship will go through the sexual act with the guy. Now, this doesn't mean all married and committed women will do this on the first date, by no stretch. But what I'm saying is that they're in a lifestyle where they have the rules set up. Don't be surprised if that does happen. Now, another thing. Well, I'm just going to read Bridget's email. And Bridget writes from, where is she from? Minneapolis, Minnesota. My boyfriend is kind of curious about us going into a swinging lifestyle. I don't know about this. It's new to me. It's new to him. He has a friend that does it, and they're going to invite us to a party next weekend. I'm skeptical about this. Rather nervous. We're both 25, and I don't think this would be the right choice for us going forward. I'm not comfortable with it. I told him this many times over, but he is not listening to me. I love him a lot, but I don't know whether or not this is going to endure for our relationship. Bridget, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Bridget, let me tell you something. As I learned from the young lady I dated, swinging is not for everybody. You gotta have a strong stomach for it if you're into it. I personally don't like the lifestyle at all. And the reason why, I'll give you several reasons. One, if you're a single male, you're going to be an outcast on a lot of those uh, venues. 
if you're what is called a bull. And of course, they have the black bull and all this other stuff, right? Your job is nothing but stud service. It depends on the situation. They got this fetish called cuckolding. And usually that's when the wife, believe it or not, is actually emasculating the man in such a way where he's wearing panties dressed up like her, masturbating, seeing his wife being pounded by a big black man. And then he cleans up afterwards. In other words, he eats the wife out after the guy finishes. And sometimes he might even finish the guy off. Who knows? Or they may want to be hidden in a closet and watch their wife have sex. This is a thing. It's a full-blown lifestyle around this. They have clubs throughout the world with this. But for the most part, as a single male, getting in this type of lifestyle, you're wasting your time for the most part. The people who are valued are what they call unicorns. Basically, the third wheel. That female that doesn't want to be committed to anyone but likes uh, bouncing in between couples. In other words, she participates in threesomes a lot, but doesn't get the commitment. I talked about this in a previous podcast about how this situation can be very messy, especially if she falls in love with the couple or a situation where the couple may want her or the man may want her more than the wife does or vice versa. See, there's a lot of variables that are introduced into a relationship when you bring other people in it. Now, the one thing that I will tell you is this. If you're expecting a commitment out of these folks, forget it. They live in the moment. And individuals have their own taste. There's some that actually will let the wife have a boyfriend, for instance, a guy that's doing stud service. Especially if the guy has ED or something like that. Then there are others that may have it where the wife is very domineering and she subjugates the husband to be nothing more than just this person that pays the bills and he's like a church mouse. And she has a boyfriend there and the boyfriend has more of a dominant role than he does. I tell you, these relationships can be very convoluted, crazy. But what you'll find in many cases with these types of crazy relationships is that there's some dysfunction going on and they'll be very defensive they don't want to address it. They'll say all kind of shit. Oh, well, you know, monogam- I'm monogamous to my partner. Well, okay, you're monogamous means mono, which means one. But yet, you're poly with everybody else. So you're monopoly, a monopoly, right? <laughs> so what you will see just right off the bat is that you can't take that person seriously. See, the one thing that I do If a person tells me, like if a woman tells me she's married, as I see it, the only thing I will ever be able to do for this woman is be nothing more than a distant friend who will communicate through her husband 
to talk to them, such as, like, for instance, a woman tells me she's married, like this one lady did. And husband, he was going to the bathroom. I didn't even know she was married. She didn't have a wedding band on. She says, oh, well, you know, I can't really talk to you because my husband's in the men's room. I said, oh, I didn't know you were married. She said, yeah, I should have told you. I'm sorry. I said, no, no, no. So he came back, and she told him that I came over to introduce myself. And he came over and introduced himself, gave me his business card, tried to sell me a damn house. But it was okay. And then one thing that I appreciated about him, he says, I also want to respect you for respecting my wife when I wasn't there. And I said, no problem. I said, but the thing is, she showed respect to you by telling me that you that she was married. You should have seen the smile that lit up on that man's face when I, when I told, told him that. She had his back. Now, another thing too you'll find. A lot of people that get into these exotic lifestyles where you have multiple partners and everything, many of them may not have gotten that attention in earlier phases of their lives. So this is an opportunity for them to shine, to be the cat's meow, to be special, to be wanted by all these people. You know, it's kind of ironic. I had a friend of mine who called me up about three days ago. And she was telling me about how lonely she was. She's 60, the same age I am now. And I watched her go through hundreds of men, literally, within her lifetime. These guys were going out, doing all kinds of things for her, taking out trips, you name it, spending money on her like crazy. She never could commit because she always wanted to be that person that was already available for the ultimate guy she wanted. She even did this while she was married. Well, her husband got tired of it and he went on and divorced her. And now at 60, the men are not coming around like they used to. And so she's trying to scoop up younger guys now. And the younger guys are not interested in her. And now she's never been at a point in her life where she didn't have the attention of men. That was her identity. And now it's gone. And she's talking about getting a Brazilian butt lift, getting her breast pumped up and getting the stomach flattened out and all of this and I said you can try it all you want to I said don't forget to dye for your hair but you got to dye it because it's going to gray I said you're fighting a losing battle and she started saying well you know maybe we should I said no we shouldn't we're going to be friends for life but that's it <laughs> I said no thank you Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And she was like, well, why not? I said, because, I said, we've been friends for years. I never made a move on you. I said, but here's the thing that's different with us. You and I are totally incompatible because you had to try all of those things to see whether or not they worked. And I looked at the way you just cavalierly Messed over a lot of good men that made them angry and go back and get in fucked up relationships where they're treating the women like crap. And she was like, well, yeah, you know, but it's on them. And I said, 
that's the kind of attitude I don't want in my life. And of course she hung up. If she calls back, I really wouldn't give a damn. But she only calls me when she needs something anyway. So what it comes down to, folks, is this. Before you get involved with any of these types of situations, fellas especially, make sure you look real deep into what you're getting into. Because you don't know. She might have even gone against the rules and got somebody that maybe not fall within line. Now, I'm going to tell you one more other thing, too, about the swinger situation as well that she told me about. She told me that race is a big issue when it comes to swinging. There are some groups that do not want any blacks, do not want any Hispanics, do not want any Asians. Then you have others that will allow certain groups in, and certain are excluded. So it's all about personal preference. And they have these things also called uh, hotel takeovers, motel takeovers, where they rent so many rooms and do their thing. It's all passe. You see this shit in Vegas all the time. We'll talk more in a minute. These are things you should know before going on a cruise. Men, if you're packing, especially you black men, do not flush the toilet while you're on it. Your dick will end up in the ocean. Hi, I'm Dr. Sony Ephraim. I'm a board certified urogynecologist. And here are the five things that I would never do, given my knowledge as a urogynecologist. Number five, I would never be hesitant to look at or touch my own vulva. There are a lot of women out there who have disorders or symptoms and they are just hesitant to even inspect themselves, put a hand mirror down there or look and see what's going on. They tend to ignore things that are happening, and sometimes it can be a little too late or you lose out on options for treatment because you waited too long. So don't hesitate to get a hand mirror, look at yourself, get familiar with your, with your own normal anatomy so that you know when something goes wrong. Number four, I would never suffer with stress urinary incontinence. That's leakage we get when we cough, sneeze, or laugh. With the knowledge I have of how easy treatment is for stress incontinence, there's no reason to be suffering through it and spending a lot of money on pads. Number three, in a similar fashion to the incontinence, I would never suffer with pelvic organ prolapse. Even for women who don't want to have surgery as an intervention, there are other options. You don't have to suffer with your vagina falling out. So I would always seek out the help of a professional for evaluation and treatment options. Number two, and this I say I'll never do, but I'll just be really careful and selective about when I do it. I will try to never drink alcohol before bedtime. Uh, this is because I know it's going to wake me up. It's a bladder irritant and a diuretic. So if I want a good night's sleep, I am not going to drink alcohol before bed. 
And the number one thing that I, as a urogynecologist, with the knowledge base I have, would never ever do is suffer through menopause without treatment with vaginal estrogen. Vaginal estrogen is extremely safe for 99.9% .9 of women. It's not contraindicated and it relieves symptoms of dryness, irritation, recurrent urinary tract infections, painful intimacy. It does so many good things and there are so many women out there suffering because they just don't have the knowledge or they're scared. So no, I'll never suffer through menopause without treating with vaginal estrogen. All right. Now, when I talk about hotel takeovers, I'm talking about basically there'll be a group of couples that may rent several rooms. And then from that, they may invite other people or may have already invited people. And they usually set this up prior to going to places like Vegas. You don't see them as much in uh, upscale hotels, but they do exist. But you see a lot, and that's when they rent a block of rooms and do their things and everybody's switching up. And these people could be communicating on social media, on different groups, and they may decide to converge on Vegas. And in that way, wife swap, husband swap, um, who knows? Now, the one thing that they love to do in this particular lifestyle. They love to challenge the man's masculinity. Now, there was a woman that wrote me a while back out of Madison, Wisconsin. And she was down with this swinging thing at first. The husband introduced it to her. And they got into it. They had been in it for almost 12 years or so. But here was the problem. It came about when the husband started getting carried away having sex with the men. And for some reason that never set well with her. And at the time she wrote me, she was disputing something I said about, you know, there are some good guys out there, you just gotta go and, you know, try your hand at it and see what you can find. And she was adamant that all the men out there were gay whether they were married or not because her husband was bent over and was sucking on another man's slung at the same time and so as she saw it that's the way it was i wasn't gonna try to convert her or convince her i just told her that okay with that attitude uh you got that well don't expect to find a man then this is one thing that some women will definitely have a problem with, with that lifestyle. And the young lady I dated told me all about it. She said it used to sicken her to see her husband get engaged and stuff like that. And she said that was the last straw for her. It depends on your taste and your appreciation for it. Now, should it not exist? No, it should exist because it's an outlet for some people that are into that. They have groups that are black swingers. They only 
You have black people in their swinging group. You have Latino swingers. You have Asian. And then you have some that are just mixed. Doesn't matter what race or anything else. So it varies. Now, a lot of people are going to be pissed off because I'm talking about this. Because they're in their feelings right now about this particular lifestyle. Because you have people that will defend it to the end. This is not a dispute to say should it exist or not. You are a grown person and you can decide whether or not you want to get involved with something like this. But I'm just telling you, as single men, don't get caught up in this bullshit for one specific reason. You're going to always be left out. The only time you're going to have an opportunity with this is if somebody brings you into that life. And if they do bring you in, you're going to be watched very closely. Because don't forget, everybody else is coupled up for the most part. The only people that get the rare carpet treatment are the women, the unicorn. But here's the thing. Even with them, they're very selective about the couples they deal with. One thing I got out of that relationship with that lady, if nothing else, we were only together for about two months. And that was an education on this lifestyle, what she told me. She wanted to end the relationship because I was interrupting the time that she needed to spend on her book. She quit her job and moved to Canada to write her book. I don't know if it ever got published. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't, I don't know. But she gave me an education because something I didn't know about. I was totally naive. Now, later on, about, I think, two years later, there was a lady that I went out with, met her in Hollywood, and she wanted to go to the lofts downtown Los Angeles. They were redoing these lofts and refurbishing these old buildings. And there was this club there. And these people were walking around. And you see the women walking around half naked and guys walking around in gym shorts. And I'm tripping. I'm at the bar. Tell me somebody felt uncomfortable. That was not my spot. And people were in there having sex and everything. And I'm like, eh. Didn't do anything for me. Now, here's the thing I want you to understand also. After the lady that took me there. They were all her friends. And she knew everybody. She was introducing me to all these people. I sat at the bar and drank. She went back there and got her back blown out by God knows how many dudes. Women do. She got upset with me because I did not participate. Even though there were plenty of women that walked over to me, one lady unzipped my pants and wanted to go down, and I was like, ah, we ain't doing that. Don't tell me. Now, I will tell you this. I did want it, but I was looking at it from a standpoint of Really? Then I found out later that if the place was illegal, it wasn't even supposed to be open. Then eventually, she got closed down. And she was so angry with me. I can't believe you didn't have any fun. I said, you call that having fun? Well, I told you I was going to introduce you to something. But I'd remembered what 
the other lady I dated said about it. And she was absolutely right. And the only reason why that woman came over to me was because I was black. Only reason. She was the only one that did. Even a couple of black women that were in there, married to white husbands, they didn't have boyfriends or whatever. They didn't bother. Didn't even want to speak to me, didn't want to be around me. Mm -mm. And I tell you what came into my head, the first thing I thought about. How many of these people are HIV positive? I sat there at the bar with the bartender, and she says, Well, what kind of, what are you drinking? I told her, What are you draft? She said, Oh, good, we got plenty of them. And she was just opening them up. And they were pretty cheap, too. But what I'm telling you folks is that it all depends on you. Now, that lifestyle wasn't comfortable for me. Other people may like it. It all depends on the individual. There's an email that I got from a young lady and out of Van Nuys, California. She was invited to a company party. Like a pool party, what the July pool party, and she was having some problems with a boyfriend. So she goes to this party, and she's trying to talk to him to tell him to come down to the party. She was lonely because they had been having some problems in their relationship. But what was happening was he was leaving her for another woman, and she kind of knew. So what she did, she got stick and drunk and wound up falling asleep on one of the loungers by the pool. Well, the guy who was hosting the party, her boss, who owned the company, and his wife, put her up in one of the bedrooms here at the house. And they gave her the option to, you know, they could take her home or, but she wasn't feeling too good. And so, the wife decided to just go have her go in the shower. And she and the wife wound up sleeping together that night. The husband stayed in his room, no problem. The girl thought she was going to lose her job the next day. Boss told her not to worry about a thing. Boss's wife drove her home. And now she doesn't know what to think because she and Boss's wife now are now up. This is the reason why you have to watch situations you get into. And you always want to be in control of your faculties. Being on drugs, being drunk, you have no control. You don't know what the fuck is going to happen to you from one minute to the next. I remember years ago, we came out of a club in Los Angeles, downtown Los Angeles. And there was a woman. We thought she was dead. We got out of the club at 2 o'clock, everybody's leaving. She's laying there on top of a piece of cardboard by the dumpster. The damn pants and panties are down to her knees. Her top is up under her neck. Titties out. And we're seeing everything. And one of the bouncers came out. She called the police. 
She was just drunk. Didn't know what happened. Girlfriends had left her there. The woman lived out in San Gabriel. She was really lucky. I don't know if she had been assaulted or not. But it's crazy. You have to be careful. And sometimes when you catch a ride with somebody to go out somewhere, please know that person. Because just in case you get inebriated or something of that sort, you don't want to be vulnerable like that. That's the reason why I tell you ladies, if you're going out, like you go out in groups, you do a good thing when you keep your group together. I remember one time in particular, I met this one lady out at uh, Zelda's in Palm Desert, California. And she had come there with a whole bunch of girlfriends. And one of the girlfriends was driving. And she was the designated driver. Very nice looking lady. And the lady I was talking to was one of her best friends. She used to be a co-worker. That's how they got started with their friendship. And so, I remember I told the lady, I said, well, you know, I could take you home. So could you? I said, yeah, no problem. She went over to tell her girlfriend, well, he's going to drive me home, so you guys, all of them, picked up all their drinks, purses, and everything, and moved over to our table, and the one driver said, you're not taking her anywhere. She says, I'll tell you what we can do. She says, uh, we can follow you with her in the car. She says, but you're not just going to take her like off in the night without us around. And I was like, damn, that's good. My friends give a damn about it. I said, I'll tell you what. I said, let's go to Denny's. I'm buying everybody breakfast. They looked at each other and they was like, well, we down with that. I went down, we had breakfast at Denny's. And sure as shit, I drove her back home. She lived in Redlands, California. And it looked like a damn caravan. <laughs> they all followed us back. And then the driver, the one that was, I guess, the head honcho, she said, thank you for being a guy and not a jerk. I thought that was weird. A guy and not a jerk. First time I've heard that. And I was cool with it. And so the next day, I get a call from all of them. They all went to lunch that day together. And they were thanking me for, you know, looking out for and stuff like that. And then they started with the 20 questions. But then I had to go through the gauntlet of getting through one girlfriend's questions, getting through the second one. And then they said, well, we might let you date her. We're not sure yet because she's our best friend. But what I liked about it was that she had good, genuine friends. The only problem was, I didn't know how good that friendship was. Because as soon as three of them got jobs in Maryland, <laughs> that whole group went boom. And she told me straight up, you want to hang with me? Well, I'll move it to Annapolis. No thanks. But it was good while it lasted. 
And one thing that I had to come to grips with, some people are in your life for a season, for a reason, and some are in for a lifetime. And the latter you will find very few people. Most people will only find about three people in their lifetimes that are true loves. Maybe four if you're lucky. Usually no more than five. So far I've had three. But hopefully. Hell, I got 25 years left. Hopefully. Live. So we'll see. But in any case, folks, the thing you have to understand too is that when it comes down to dating, relationships, two different things. You're going to go through more dates than you will ever go through relationships. That's a given. But some of you don't even get a chance to date the partner. You start a relationship right off the bat without even dating. And really the interlude, the beginning, really is one of the best parts of, of the relationship. Creating that chemistry, the bond, the initial trust. But see, we like to bypass that and go straight for the relationship. It's like we don't want to read the foreword in the book. We just want to go straight to the chapters. Sometimes you might want to read the foreword. read the premise. It will tell you a lot about what's going on in the book itself. Now, other things we have to look at when it comes to the situation of dating. Meeting people, interacting with people. You have to look at their constituency. Who are they introducing you to? I remember one time in particular, this happened back in, oof, I think it was 89. I had this date with this lady, and I met her through a mutual friend. And this mutual friend said, you know, if she works with me, she'll be a good date for you. I think you guys could really hit it off, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, oh, okay, we'll give it a shot. Well, I get the woman's number. I call her. We talk for about three hours the first night and about four hours the second night. And we had made plans for that particular weekend to meet. And we were going to meet at Stuart Angus, um, Stuart Anderson's um, Black Angus down there on Hospitality Lane in San Bernardino, California. Well, I show up. I see her. And I was expecting just to see her. Then I saw one set of braids. And I saw a second set of braids. And I'm like, oh, damn. This woman had brought her kids there. And I'm like, oh, man. Now, here was the crazy part. She got there. And I mean, they ordered lavishly. I only got about maybe three questions out with this woman. The rest of the time, you know what she was doing? Girl, you need to stop doing that. You need to, uh, you need to chew your food. That was the whole date. Her fussing at the kids. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, and, and, and I'm saying to myself, and then when I told my mutual friend after the date was over, I said, you set me up with a woman that brought her kids on a date. 
Guess what this friend told me? Well, I would have babysat with her, but we had an argument because she didn't want to pay me $100 to babysit with her. And I said to myself, this is San Bernardino. What more can I expect? What more can I expect? So I learned my lesson. And guys, let me tell you one thing, fellas. If you're dealing with a woman that has a whole bunch of kids, do not fuck around and do what my friend did at that time. She drove a minivan. She had six kids. And he decided that he was get up on his hind legs and take all of them to McDonald's. I couldn't help but laugh. He told me, he said, man, he said, don't you know that'd be okay now, 90-something dollars? I'm like, I'm like, what the hell did you guys buy? He said, I bought the kids, kids' meals at first. And I bought a Big Mac, uh, number one or whatever the hell it was for her, and one for me. He said, them little bastards ran back up there and they started talking about they were still hungry. He said, I had to wind up buying two quarter pounders for each of them. And I was like, damn. And it added up quickly and it shakes and everything. And he's like, I don't think I can do this. I'm like, well, you know, she told you, you volunteered. So, fellas, I'm telling you, know your limits. He didn't know his. He thought that it was going to be something that he could handle for 40 bucks. Know your limits. Now, other things too to keep in mind. When you meet someone for the first time, and I had to learn this, take this as a chance meeting. You're at a restaurant, or you're out somewhere, and you meet this person, you start a conversation with them. And you guys are comfortable with each other. You exchange numbers. Now, a lot of you ask, when is the appropriate time to contact that person after you have met them? I would usually give it 48 to 72 hours minimum. You don't want to seem desperate. You don't want to seem like you are someone who's really hungry for a relationship. What that does, it gives them a time it gives them time to continue with their schedule uninterrupted, whatever they're doing. So that when you do contact them, then they can say, Oh well, you know, it's nice hearing from you, blah 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 blah. And then they'll start making time for you. You call them the next day or you call them that same night, it can be kind of hectic, especially if they have something already scheduled. Even though they may want you to call them earlier, the reason why I say no longer than 72, 72 hours, which are three days, anything past that they've forgotten about you. So you want to remain relevant. The call doesn't have to be long. It can be a short little deal. And one thing that I will tell you, 
do not use texting as a substitute for a phone call. You can't really express emotions through texting. Those emojis and all the rest of that shit means nothing. It was funny. Um, a friend of mine, she wrote me the other day, wrote me a text, and she says, uh, I asked her, how are you doing? She says, I'm good. And she was real quick to write that. And I gave her a call. I know she didn't expect me to call her. When I called her, she was crying. She was boohooing her ass off. She wasn't happy. And I, I said, what's wrong? She said, no, I'm good, I'm good. And she's sniffling and trying to dry up. And she's crying again. What had happened? She got laid off her job. And she had been on her job for, I think, 20 years. And the company was relocating to another part of the country, and she would have to take a pay cut to keep her job. Because they were reclassifying everyone. And they were going to hire new people. I think they moved to somewhere outside of Alabama, somewhere near Alabama, somewhere down there. And she's like, I, I can't do that because I wouldn't be able to afford the house that I'm here in Los Angeles. And I'm like, well, yeah gonna be a tough go of it. I said, but, and she said, I didn't want to let you know, that's the reason why I just texted you that everything was okay. And that's the problem you'll run into with relationships sometimes. Now, she and I are just platonic friends. But what I'm saying though is, sometimes your partner may be going through something and they're telling you everything is all right and yet they're all broken up. And how would you know? By a text. You wouldn't. You wouldn't have a clue. Now, there's another thing that I'm going to talk about. I guess I could, I'll talk about it next segment. So stay tuned. sexual person. I, I I don't hold back that part of me anymore because it has to be compatible and I've learned after a really shitty marriage that if you hold it back sometimes it's just you're too deep. You're too deep before you realize it doesn't line up. Anyway. Um, I'm also a complimentary sexual partner. Like I like Ben. I, I like I like all the parts of you and I'm gonna compliment you and I'm gonna tell you how great you think you are and I am happy to boost that ego. I really am. Um, but do you think that when a woman is like that and she wants it uh, and she likes it, that uh, she that that's all you have to do is just be there and she'll like it because there's things you need to do. Like I, how do I tell a guy like you know I really do like everything about you, but you're gonna have to put in an effort. Now in this case, the problem is she's overthinking this process. Now I want you to imagine having sex with this woman, fellas. By the way she's speaking and the way she's going with it, it's gonna make you soft. Because 
what's happened now is she's gone too far when it comes down to this particular situation. There's nothing wrong with her liking and complimenting certain body parts or whatever. But here's the thing that you also have to understand as well. If she overdoes it, you kind of want to tell her, shut up and fuck. But you don't want to. You're trying to be nice. You're trying to be cordial. A woman like this, and ladies, please listen. A woman like this, a guy is going to sleep with maybe once or twice, but he knows it would take a lot of effort in order to really be able to tolerate what's going on here. Most women just let it happen naturally. And they talk to each other and say, oh, that feels good. How does this feel? That kind of thing. But when you start getting to a point where you're treating your sexual activity like it's a project, it kind of takes the mood away, the romance, and also it depends on the person's voice. Because what that does, in essence, it makes you feel as though you guys are not intimate or not making love, it seems like you're arguing over whether you want spinach or carrots. Don't do this. She's overthinking it too much because what she wants is, she wants a guy that kind of is on the same level as she is when it comes down to all this back and forth. Instead, you'd probably come out better with a guy that's just going to go along with whatever's going on at that time and he's going to just deal with it. Because in this way, yeah, you guys can communicate, but the problem is I can see this actually turning into a conversation more so than being an intimate endeavor. Because after all, if she's doing all this just to look for compatibility, that's a problem in itself. This conversation should actually be had before they even think about having sex. Early on. Because what she doesn't realize is that nine times out of ten, oh, there'll be a guy out there to sleep with her. Trust me on that. But when it comes down to a relationship and having to deal with this on a sustained basis, not necessarily so much. I could tell you right off the bat, the way she talks, her voice, I would try to have her not as not speak as much. And we discriminate on different bases. We discriminate on height. Many of you ladies do that. As men, this is one of the things that we also look at. Because what would happen is she would become too annoying and after a while the guy would just lose interest. He just want to go on, and if he could just have silence, he's fine. Okay, this is my funniest herpes dating story. So I matched with this guy on Tinder, and we agreed to meet at a local bar. He shows up, he turns out to be very fit, very attractive, really well-groomed facial hair, eyebrows are perfect, 
hair is perfect everywhere. Like this guy puts a lot of effort into how he looks, which I really like. So we get to talking and turns out he's really well educated. He's really interesting. He volunteers. He is part of all these different organizations. He's traveled all over the world. He wasn't born in the US, um, but he came when he was 19 and now he's in his mid thirties. But anyways, I'm really digging this guy. And then he says something that kind of makes me a little nervous. He shares with me that he recently went to Vegas, but he did not get into any of the pools. Despite the fact that he was there for one of those big pool parties, which if you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. And his reason being was because the pools there must be so disgusting with all those people. They must have diseases. So I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, well, when I disclose to this guy, uh, it's probably not gonna go very well, but I really need to do it sooner rather than later. So we close out the bar, we start walking to his car and he's like, all right, well, so do you wanna come back to my place or should I just drop you off or what's going on? I'm interested in going back to your place, but I need to tell you something first. And after I tell you this, you can decide for yourself if you wanna drop me off at home or if you wanna go back to your place. So we get in this car and I'm like, yeah, so uh, I think you should know that I have herpes. Um, I don't have an outbreak right now, I take medication, but I feel like this is something that you really should know before you make a decision about going back to your place. Do you wanna know what the response was from this person that just told me they won't get in a pool because of all the diseases? He looks me dead in the face and he says, what's herpes? I would like to personally thank you for listening to Romantic Truth. You may follow us on Facebook.com backslash Romantic Truth. You may ask your friends to subscribe to Anchor.fm backslash Romantic Truth. Or you can leave us a message at Anchor.fm backslash Romantic Truth backslash message. You may contact us through email at RomanticTruthPodcast at gmail.com. Take care. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. 
please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.